Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Okay, so as we usually, well, we don't usually do it. We haven't done it in a little while, but we asked you on social media, on X or previously known as Twitter. Maybe it's still known as Twitter. I don't know if you had any questions heading into the Bills' first game. There was kind of a lot of, you know, over big picture questions, but there were also some specific to the Jets game in general. So what do you want to start with? You want to start with big picture or you want to start with specifically um, Jets? You just pick one. I'm good. Either way, Um, whatever you want to do. Okay, this is from John. Over under four and a half catches for Kincaid, week one. Over. I think this is a good I matchup say, for the Bills. I would I, say I over, think, too. Look, at, I, I think this particular matchup is good for the Bills and Dalton Kincaid. The Jets linebackers are, are good linebackers. I don't think they're known as cover linebackers, and I think that's where the Bills will try to take advantage with Dalton Kincaid. I agree. I think Dalton Kincaid has a nice kind of coming out party yep. against the Jets, and I think they're going to try and utilize him a lot early to build that confidence and kind of keep him trending in the right direction. Okay, this question is from Patrick. Sleeper pick for defensive MVP and sleeper pick for offensive MVP. He also asks about special teams, but we're going to skip that one. Sorry, Patrick. So sleeper could for who could be the Bills defensive MVP and offensive MVP. I've got Ooh. answers if you don't. Sleeper offensive MVP. Um, def- so both offense and defense. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know how much you can call these people sleepers, right? But I, James Cook, I think mm-hmm. I really think people are sleeping on a bit as far as what his role is going to be. I've heard so much talk about, oh, is he going to be – remember back months ago, I was always hammering saying, no, he's not losing a starting job to Damian Harris. He's the number one back. I think people are maybe sleeping a little bit on what James Cook's going to be able to do in this offense. I think this is a very, very kind of tailor-made offense for his skill set and what he can do. So I'm going to say offense, James Cook. Okay. I will say offense, Gabe Davis. Okay, because it. I really do think that Gabe is going to have a strong bounce back season. I okay. think the drops were an issue, but I don't think they're a massive issue that can't be corrected. I also think that he's going to get a lot of targets. I, I think Josh really trusts Gabe. And I think Gabe has a way of finding space when things break down. And I think that's one of the biggest assets of Dalton Kincaid's addition to the offense. But I also think that's something that Gabe does really well. Just think of the play in the preseason. Josh running to the sideline, throws across his body. Gabe is right there, ready to make the play. So I, I like Gabe Davis' trajectory heading into the season. And defensive for me, 
Yeah, real quick, before you give yours, I want to say, I am fully aware that, you know, a running back getting an MVP on this team, offensive MVP, is probably not in the cards. I just want to make it known that I think James Cook could have a really nice year. Go ahead. Yeah, these are sleepers. So this is not, Josh Allen will be their offensive MVP. And if it's not him, it'll be Stephon Diggs. Who's a guy, though, that sleeper to have a really nice year? Yeah, go ahead. Defensively, Ed Oliver. Ooh, I think I like I, it. Okay. I think I two names of mine. He was not one of them, but I like it. I think Ed Oliver with a better defensive line. I know I just said that I don't maybe think it's as great as yours, but I think Ed Oliver lining up with the guys that they have could be a problem for teams this year. I already think he has been at times in his career. The consistency has been a little bit, I guess, of an issue for him. Got a new contract. I just keep going back to, I think they're going to really do some unique things on defense this year. It's third and nine, okay, late in the season, and you know they're passing. I think the Bills could bring out Vaughn, Floyd, Rousseau, and Oliver and put Rousseau on the interior and say, like, screw it, we're getting after you. And I think that that might let Oliver slip through the cracks a little bit and have some really – impressive numbers from his standards, but it's not just about numbers. Ed Oliver is a guy who makes big plays at big moments. And I think we're going to see that this year. Okay. Everything you just said, I would say the same thing basically about Greg Rousseau, which is why I thought about him. I think Greg Rousseau could be in for a real nice jump because now he Mm -hmm. has Leonard Floyd next to him, even when he doesn't have Von Miller. And I really like what Greg Rousseau brings his athleticism, his traits, and you know, Mm -hmm. just what we see. However, he's actually not my pick. My pick, Tredavious White. Okay. Okay. I think Trey is in for a super good bounce back season. And I say that because the way he's been bouncing around, we've all seen it, right, Matt? He looks like Mm -hmm. competent Trey. He looks like he's ready and mentally in a really good spot, physically in a really good spot. I mean, he's not even wearing knee braces, nothing like that. Like we're a year and a half more than that. Almost two years now. We're almost two years removed from the ACL injury. And I think last year was so tough for him to get back on the field. As we know, mentally, physically, he started to get a little better as the season went on in the playoffs. We never saw the full version of Trey. I think we're about to see the full version of Trey White again. Okay, this one is interesting. I like this question. This is from Lance. Will Josh Allen take what he has given and make the easy throws? How important do you think it is for him to take what more of the defense gives against forcing the ball down the field? I'll start with this one. I think it's important, but I also think Josh Allen is lightning in a bottle. And I think if you try and contain that too much, you take away what makes Josh Allen so special. If he just sits there and takes what the defense gives him all the time, he is a middle-of-the-road quarterback who probably will not make the spectacular plays that you want him to make. He'll also probably make less mistakes, but I don't really care about that. I care about him going and throwing across his body to the middle of the field to Gabe Davis on a play that one or two other quarterbacks in the entire NFL can make. I care about him trying to take the top off of a defense because he can on third and 15 still have a chance at hitting a big pass. So I think it's a balance. I think that there were times last year, the Jets game is a perfect example. He had two really stupid interceptions in that game that should not happen. But he also just makes crazy plays. So I think, yes, he needs to take a little bit more of what the defense is going to give him, but also – don't stop being the player that you are because that's well, why you're one of the best in the league. Yeah. The question is, will he do that? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sort He's of. not going to do it a lot because it's just not Josh. As you point uh-huh. out, he'll do it sometimes. I think 
But I do think that's what they've done in the offseason is give him those options, give him those outlets, give him Dalton Kincaid, give him Deontay Hardy. Like, that's why you got those guys to say, look, just take more of what the defense is giving you. Let them run with the ball in his hands. But will he do it? He's still going to be Josh Allen. I agree with you. I want to, I, I, I can live with Josh Allen trying to force a ball that winds up in the other team's hands because the other three times he does it, it's going to wind up in the Bills' hands or for a touchdown or something like that. That's just what you have to do and live yeah. with if you're a Buffalo Bill. You can, you can't. Don't be inconsistent, Bills fans. You can't complain and say, I can't believe he threw the ball when a mistake happens and then say, oh, yeah, that's why you know, he's Josh Allen when a good thing happens doing uh -huh. the exact same thing. You can't have it both ways. I have a question for you. This is from Sal. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Who lines up at cornerback two Monday night? Christian Benford. Ooh, yeah. I, I think so, too. But, man, bright lights, Monday night environment, Aaron Rodgers. Would you be stunned if it's still Dane Jackson? I wouldn't. I I'm leaning Christian because of how they've played it like late in the preseason and him playing in Chicago. Yeah. But I wouldn't rule out Dane Jackson still being the starting corner. One of the questions was about cornerback two and linebacker. So I just said Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. There's, of course, still a chance linebacker. I'm guessing it's Dodson. I don't know yeah. if they would just throw Bernard out there after no game reps in this summer or, you know, in the preseason, yep. I think it'll be Dodson. And then that actually takes me to my next question. And this one is from Dave. I think it's a good question. It's been a long off season. My memory stinks. What are the practice squad call up rules? And he's specifically okay. talking about Christian Kirksey. Okay. Real easy. Um, each week teams can elevate two players from the practice squad to make a 55-man roster. Normally, it's a 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. You can then make a 55-man roster. Out of the 55, if you have eight offensive linemen active, you're allowed to have 48 active, which leaves seven inactive, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so, but anyway, you can do that now. But each player can only be elevated three times in a season. After that, then they can just, and they just go revert back to the practice squad. If you want them elevated a fourth time, no, you got to sign him to a 53-man contract and release somebody, basically, yeah. or IR somebody. Yeah, I mean, is there anybody who you think could be elevated for this game? I think, is it too soon for Kirksey? It's probably too soon, unless he's going to be I, like a... Probably. I, I think that Andy Isabella is a, a great candidate here because otherwise you only have five wide receivers going into the game. Uh-huh. I think you could get away with five, though. Well, I, I know, I know, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, anybody else that I'm thinking? I don't think. You don't think. I don't think. Is a Fetty ready? I don't think he is. Probably Jermaine or Fed. If Fetty, I mean, they can just go roll in with nine offensive linemen. I think. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, actually, I, I shouldn't. I apologize. If Fetty's not on the practice squad, my he's on the, yeah. I, he, he would probably be inactive in this in this scenario. I'm looking at the practice squad. Um. It's really not anybody see, else that I could can think of. Could you see another defensive end like Cameron Klein or Kendall Vickers, considering that Miller is not there? But no, they already have five. I couldn't. So, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. I think the only one I'd look at is maybe a wide receiver, maybe Andy Isabella. But that being said, the, the question was about the rules. The rules are every week you can elevate two. Now you want me to talk about the third quarterback rule really quickly? Sure. While you're gonna, yeah. Okay. Let me clarify the third quarterback rule for everyone, okay? There is not an emergency quarterback that you can just designate from around your roster and it can be a practice squad guy. That can't happen. Okay. Every week, team has 48 guys active on game day. We just went over that. Let's eight offensive line. We have 48 guys active on game day. All right. You are, you're going to have two quarterbacks active on game day most likely. If you have three, it doesn't matter for this scenario. 
You have two quarterbacks active on game day. Out of the other seven players who are inactive, if it's 55, or other five players inactive out of, if it's 53, out of the other inactive players, one of them will be designated your emergency quarterback. Mm -hmm. The only way he can even come into the game is if both the first two quarterbacks on the actual roster are hurt. Not coach's decision. They have to be hurt. They're out of the game or ejected. The other guy comes in. Then if one of those other quarterbacks gets medically cleared, they got to go back in. The other guy's got to come out anyway. Yeah. How, how, um, I guess much do you think you could kind of try and sneak around that rule? Could you say like, you know, general soreness, Kyle Allen has general soreness. No, no that's again, why because he's... the doctors are going to, no. And why would you, what, what would be the point? Why would no, you want there shouldn't, there shouldn't, there shouldn't be unless right. that other quarterback is not playing well. And then that's when I think it would get a little bit like, oh, yeah, they got, they got hit pretty hard on that last one. Well, then then you're down Josh Allen and your backup. I yeah, mean, I mean, you don't got You probably don't have a chance either way. No, right. So, I mean, what, what are we doing here? And again, if you, you have independent doctors are going to look and go like, All right, can he play? Yeah, he can play. Mm-hmm. He's cleared. He can go back in the game. Yeah. So, I, I think it's more of a concussion issue, things like that. You're right. You bring up a good point. Teams could try to manipulate the rule. The one way that a team can manipulate this a little bit is, okay, you elevate your practice squad quarterback for the week. You mm-hmm. make him active. You make him active as the backup. And then you make the number two guy inactive, and you designate him as your emergency guy. The only issue with that is you only get three times to do that anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Mike told us that Robert Sala just said that Brees Hall is playing on Monday, okay. so shout out to Mike. Oh, I don't producer. doubt that he doesn't play. But yeah, I like don't think he's how play much. That much. I mean, what 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 are we looking at as far as carries or touches? Well, I think back to it's a very different thing. I think back to Trey in Detroit and the pitch count that he was on. I think he played two series and then he was done for the day. And then the following week, I believe it was in New England, he played every other series and then almost the entire second half. So I know it's different for a running back than it is for somebody who's reactionary as opposed to somebody who's making those decisions themselves. I think Brees gets how many touches would you say? I'm going to say eight touches. Yeah. I'd say five, six. I think eight's fine. Look, I also would question if they did put him out there and he got like 15 touches, I'd be like, Hmm, like you really want to do that to this guy right away. If you're a jets fan, if you're a jets, look, I'm not the doctor. He could be completely perfectly fine and everything's great. But wouldn't that seem a little too ambitious right now when you have a long season? Well, I think it would be ambitious. I also think it would be strange if Brees Hall had 15 touches. Then what does Dalvin Cook have? Five? I mean, if he has more than that, are you really taking the ball out of – game script could kind of change all of this. If they were ahead, sure, that could be a difference maker. But if it's a close game, are you really going to have 25 combined touches for your running backs? How many throws is Rodgers going to have? I don't know. I I just don't think that that – I think if you're the Bills, you would sign up for that. I think if you were like, okay, Rodgers is only going to throw the ball 25 times, you'd be like, great, that's awesome. Sure, hand the ball off. So that's kind of how I feel about the Dolphins too. You know, when we were talking about Delvin Cook with them, it's like, okay, you know, that means Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell aren't getting catches. I think that's good for the Bills. I have one more question. Again, maybe later in the week this is a better question, but I'll ask you right now. Would your strategy, if you're Sean McDermott, be to have Tredavious White travel with Garrett Wilson? 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's very different than what they usually do. So I They've don't... done it in the past, but they don't yeah. normally do it. No, they haven't done that in a couple of years, right? Well, because Trey, has, Trey hasn't really played. Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess, I, I, yeah, I would think. I would think, because then you'd get Christian Benford on Alan Lazard, which is still, Alan Lazard is no slouch. He's a very fine wide receiver, or you too. Or Dane Jackson on him, depending on who plays. But yeah. Or Dane Jackson, exactly. So... I don't know. I guess you see how Trey does. If he can hold his own, then sure. But if he doesn't look good, then I don't know what you're doing. There's but he's other probably- ways to do it. You can. You don't have to do that. You can just shade to him and double him a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, whichever side he's on, you know, if he's on the opposite side of Tredavious White, we're just going to shade the safety over, you know, double him. You could do things like that. You don't have to have your number one corner. Other teams, I know what Rex used to do, and I actually think it's a good strategy a lot of times. You'd actually put your top corner on their number two and just double the number one everywhere. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, it's a conceivably a really smart strategy, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody's knocking Rex's defensive mind. He was very good I, at this stuff. I, he would do that sometimes. So, yeah. Last question for you. It's Labor Day. We're recording yep. a podcast. Best Labor Day. This is from Greg. Best Labor Day activity: boating, grilling, golfing. What do you got? Podcasting. Po- with podcasting. Matt podcasting with Sal Capaccio. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, actually. Um, I think for me, over the years, best Labor Day activity would be. Um, probably grilling and chilling, right? I mean, like there's What's college the football on now, there's college football tonight. We have a game. I think it's, was it Duke and Clemson tonight? Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a great game, but there's college football. There's some baseball, like kind of chilling because for us in this business starts the chaos. Yeah. And I just kind of need to chill a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. We did, I've... we did go to Legoland this weekend though, by the way, in Goshen, New York. How was that? It was awesome. Have you been to Legoland anywhere? There's three no, of them, I think. I have not. There's a Florida, there's a California, and there's now a new one in Goshen, New York. Just opened two years ago. It was supposed to open before the pandemic got delayed. Uh, it was awesome. The the only, I'm not going to say complaint, like it was actually way better. The one in Florida, the one in New York is, has a better layout and way better rides. The one in Florida has a way better water park, as you can imagine. It's Florida. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> that makes sense to me for sure. Um, I do want to say two one thing real quick. This is okay. for both of us. Right now, there is a dispute going on with Spectrum oh, yeah. and with Disney. Disney is the parent company of ESPN. If you have Spectrum, you're probably aware of this by now that you have not had ESPN for the last couple of days. Locally, if you are listening to this podcast and you live in Buffalo or Rochester, you can watch the game on ABC. In Buffalo, that is WKBW Channel 7. In Rochester, that is 13 Wham, both ABC stations. Both have coverage starting at 7 o'clock. Obviously, if you're listening on the radio, you'll still be able to listen to Sal on the sideline and Chris Brown and Eric Wood on the radio broadcast. But we have had an astronomical amount of questions asking if we are airing the game. Yes, we are airing the game. Even if you have Spectrum, no need to worry. You will be able to watch it on Channel 7. Awesome. I love it. One more thing before we go. 
as we record this this morning, we are just about a half hour or so away from Jessica Pagula at yeah. the U.S. Open uh, playing in the, I think it is round of 32. Four. It's the round to get into the quarterfinals. Okay. Um, so that would be quarterfinals 16? Yeah. Eight. No, quarterfinals is eight. Right? Uh, Semifinals is four people left. Quarterfinals is eight. So this is the so round so this is the round to get into yeah. the well either way, here's what I want to tell you. All right. Um, it's just been remarkable watching her. She's actually made it to, I think, to the quarters in each of the last whatever grand slams. First American do, do that in a, to do that in a long time. She's the current highest ranked American man or woman in tennis. Round of round of sixteen. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. That's what she is now. <laughs> yeah. Round of sixteen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is to get so this is to get into the quarterfinals. And if she does that, she extends that streak, which is quite amazing. The other thing I'll bring up is one of her nemesis is, um, I want to say the name, what is it? Schweitek, Schweitek, right? She's number one in the world. Mm-hmm. She actually lost last night and got eliminated and she's the number one seed. So, Hey man, if Jessica can keep the, she's got Madison keys. That's a tough match. Yeah. If Jessica can keep this role in. She's got another look at it here, which would be really cool. Also the final, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the final for the U S open women's title is on Saturday. In New okay. York City, so I might have to go to New York a couple well, days go. early. Cover it. You got to cover it. All right. Well, good luck to Jessica Bagula. Um, you know, rooting for her. It was great to see her at Bill's practice last week. The day that she was leaving to go to uh, New York for the U.S. Open was awesome. Got a chance to catch up and talk with her. We all did, and and it's just mm-hmm. really awesome watching her career and her ascension. So, in the meantime, Matt and I will be back later in the week with another podcast. We'll start to really dig into the Bills and the Jets. Here's the schedule, Matt. Tell everybody what the Bills' schedule is this week so fans know. We always get, are they practicing this week? What's going yeah. on? So they get a Wednesday practice, a Thursday practice, and nothing off Tuesday. Nothing Tuesday. So they get a holiday weekend, essentially. Yeah. They were off for the last couple of days. They were back on Wednesday. They practice on Wednesday and Thursday. On Friday, they are getting an off day. And then on Saturday, they are practicing again. My guess is that they would do a walkthrough Sunday morning before flying out, fly out to New York, probably get in New York, I don't know, five, six o'clock, something like that. And then that Monday is going to be a long day for everybody who's a player, everybody who's a fan, everybody who's just waiting for kickoff. It's going to be a long, long, long wait in those hotels for those guys. Hey, everybody, if you get a chance, um, uh, if I can do a shameless plug here, every year I'm a part of the Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the American Cancer Society. And this year to help raise money, I started my own survivor pool for everybody who wants to get in. It's ESPN's Eliminator Challenge, actually, it's called, Matt. Um, real easy. I posted on Twitter, donate to my Real Men Wear Pink campaign. I'm asking for $20, but you can do whatever you want. You want to donate 5 bucks or 500 bucks? That'd be great. And then get in the Eliminator Challenge, and the winner, I'm going to personally give a $100 gift card to the NFL shop. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I hope you have fantastic success. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Well, listen, we're going to head out now. And thanks to Mike Robbier for doing a great job producing here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Football season is here.